<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Did you ever see anything about Seska that made you suspicious? The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, March 16, 2023, and this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 785 of the Biden-Harris administration, 600 days until the 24th presidential election. It's right around the corner, isn't it? Yikes. Find me on Instagram, the Bob Seska, Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go, spoutable, Bob Seska, our Patreon page, bobseskashow.com. And sitting right over there is the Goff Ninja. It is Spicy Jody Hamilton from the From the Bunker podcast. Patreon.com slash from the bunker. Also, she's on the Stephanie Miller show every Tuesday. Uh, usually flirting with my Wednesday guest this week. <laughs> the great Charlie Pierce was on the show yesterday. Oh, and look, there's David Ferguson. We sometimes call him T-Rex. His music project is Astral Summer, astralsummer.bandcamp.com. Yeah, Charlie was on the show yesterday. I had a lot of fun chatting with Charlie and getting caught up with everything, all the Charlie things. One of the most entertaining parts of yesterday's show was one of my Patreon subscribers asked the question, what is it about Field of Dreams that Charlie hates so much? <laughs> Charlie, oh, wow. Charlie went off on Field of Dreams, man, and it was, first of all, loaded with Charlieisms, and it was just this epic rant about how awful Field of Dreams is. Contrary to, I think, the opinions of most American men who just revere that movie. But at the same time, he said, well, you know what? You want to see a good baseball movie, Bull Durham. And then we talked about Bull Durham and so on. We didn't just talk about sports ball. We talked about all the politics things and other questions, why Charlie went to Marquette and how he ended up in Wisconsin, et cetera, et cetera. So you definitely want to go and listen to uh, my uh, talk with the great Charlie Pierce from yesterday. And by the way, speaking of guests, we got Mary Trump next Wednesday. Sorry, Goth Ninjas. She's joining me on Wednesday. I know you're disappointed. But I want her for myself. I'm going to be greedy next week and keep Mary Trump for myself. And by the way, we're going to be opening up the floor uh, once again for our Patreon subscribers to ask questions for Mary. But you have to subscribe at patreon.com slash Bob Show. I'll post the thread for your questions for Mary in the next few days. And then the- I'm a subscriber. My question is going to be like, don't you wish T-Rex and Jody were here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, then the following Wednesday, Allison Gill from Muller, she wrote, will join us. And I think whenever there's a guest that everyone knows 
and can sort of preemptively concoct questions for, we're going to open it up for, as I said, our, our Patreon subscribers to ask some questions. So like the last, you know, it'll be the last uh, 15, 20 minutes or so. We'll just throw in some Patreon questions. We might not get to all of them. I know we didn't get to hardly any of them yesterday with Charlie. We got to, I don't know, maybe a dozen or, so, or half a dozen. Uh, but it was uh, a lot of fun to do that. Okay, Goth Ninjas, lots to talk about today. We're going to start with this uh, huge profile in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution about the Fulton County special grand jurors. Now, bear in mind, that's the previous grand, that's the special grand jury. There's currently another grand jury that's also examining what the special grand jury looked at, plus some other things. And that's what we're waiting on when it comes to indictments in Fulton County Mm -hmm. from uh, Fonnie Willis. So, in an exclusive interview with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, five of the 23 special grand jurors recounted what it was like to be a pivotal but anonymous part of one of the most momentous criminal investigations in U.S. history. Well, you can say that again. One which could lead to indictments of former President Donald Trump and his allies. I think the theme of this is... It shouldn't be this dangerous to be a member of a grand jury. That's one of the big takeaways I had from this article. I strongly urge you to read this. I'll link to it in the description under this episode at bobseska.com so you can go and, and read along. Actually, listen to the show first, and then you can go back and read it. One of the first things out of the shoot in this piece is they had to have bomb-sniffing dogs in the building because of the death threats and the bomb threats that were coming in and I think, according to this piece, it hit sort of a, a high watermark when Mike Flynn came in to testify. <laughs> and that's when they really noticed the bomb-sniffing dogs. That was one of the more harrowing aspects of this. There's uh, sad elements to this as well when it comes to the reactions of some of the special grand jurors to some of the testimony. A, a lot of frustration over pleading the fifth. We'll get to all that here in a second. Uh-huh. They had heard a recording. This is one of the big news things to come out of this profile. The special grand jurors heard a recording of a phone call Trump placed to late Georgia House Speaker David Ralston. Are you familiar with him, David? Mm-mm. In which the president asked the fellow Republican to convene a special session of the legislature to overturn Joe Biden's narrow victory in Georgia. <laughs> So this was yet another instance where Donald Trump is trying to strong arm a Republican official in Georgia in order to get them to overturn the will of the people, in order to overturn the election. This is 1,000%, as far as I'm concerned, election fraud. I think we need to start calling this election fraud, not just manipulating or trying to overturn the election or, you know, we can use words like coup. I think is a great word. I think, yeah, coup d'etat is really, I think, what we need. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This treasonous effort to stage a coup and overturn the democratic will of the people. Right, right. right. Well, one of the best things David Ralston ever did uh, in his life, I believe, especially when it comes to his public service, is to have made a, a recording of this phone call. And that we haven't heard it yet, obviously. Right. Uh, but I imagine that in the course of this impending trial of Donald Trump in Georgia, we will absolutely hear that phone call. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing with Donald Trump. He thinks he knows the ins and outs of how to commit these crimes and how to... It's, it's kind of amazing that he spent, you know, the last however many decades 
walking between the raindrops, managing to skirt his way, managing to sidestep his way uh, around the law. And he hasn't been caught yet. But that luck, that blind good fortune ends now, I think, in the next uh, few weeks, certainly. So uh, this is one of those cases where as brilliant as he thinks he is, just derped his way right into it. He didn't think that people <laughs> in the modern age can record phone calls. Is that what he thinks? Does he think you right. still have to include the word Klondike in your phone number? Is that where his <laughs> is that where his brain is? I mean, <laughs> good God! Thank goodness that Donald Trump is such a derpy moron. Yeah. That that he would get his phone conversations recorded twice. And then, you know, when it came to the Zelensky phone conversation, he produced the transcript. He was like, here, here's what I said. Here's how I extorted Ukraine in order to try to defeat uh, Joe Biden in this election because I'm so panicked that I'm going to lose my job. So among the most compelling witnesses, various jurors said, were Fulton County poll workers, Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shay Moss, who we've already heard from. They received death threats after being singled out by Trump and his then-attorney, Rudy Giuliani. Quote, I was pretty emotional throughout the whole thing, a juror said. I wouldn't cry in front of any of the witnesses, but when I would get in my car, I was like, I just left that, and I have to just go do my job now. I just know things that are hard to know. So these jurors uh, just completely breaking down and being uh, certainly affected by the testimony, as we all were when we heard from uh, Ruby Freeman. I love this last line, though. I just know things that are hard to know. And we're all going to learn these things. I think another big takeaway from this piece, just jumping ahead, sorry, spoiler warning, <laughs> is that the charges coming out of Fulton County are going to be a lot more serious, I think, than we're anticipating. I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a mm -hmm. bigger fucking deal than I think a lot of us even imagined. Lindsey Graham. <laughs> is uh, kind of paraphrased in this piece. Lindsay said that during that time, and this is according to one of the jurors, if somebody had told Trump that aliens came down and stole Trump ballots, that Trump would have believed it. Yep. <laughs> I don't think he would have believed it, but I think he would have used it. He would it. have still made hay of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would have been all over Twitter. Oh my God, aliens stole ballots from Trump and gave them to Joe Biden. Not since the late, great George Washington has something, whatever he would have told. Has any know. president ever been treated so unfairly? Yeah, that's right. <sighs> the aliens are so vicious. They're that's his new Trump, word, isn't it? Trump vicious hating. is his favorite thing now. I think yeah. he finally figured out it didn't have an H in it. <laughs> <laughs> They're Trump-hating aliens. That's exactly what he would call them, Trump-hating aliens. What, what, maybe radical left aliens. <laughs> there you go. You know what? I read stuff like this and I think of things like this and think back to that ponderous four years, that awful, awful four years. Like, what the fuck happened to half of this country? What? And, and we obviously know the answers. You don't need to go to the comments and tell me all the answers to that hypothetical question. I know how we ended up there and how half the country ended up voting for Trump. But it's still confounding. Even after you know all the things, all the reasons why 74 million people, more in 2020 than in 2016, voted for this madman. We know why. 
but it still makes you go, good Lord. But uh, there's how- this whole multi-billion dollar industry propping the motherfucker up. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like the propaganda factory over there, Fox, quote unquote, news. Right. You know, I mean, you could fucking elect a ham sandwich president if you had, you know, Rupert Murdoch's billions of dollars behind mm-hmm. you. And that's part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Well, two of the jurors estimated that as many as 10 witnesses invoked their Fifth Amendment rights, some doing so even when asked to describe their education. I think we've seen that already, too. It was either Charlie Kirk or Don Jr., one of the doofuses in the Red Hat Entertainment Complex, was deposed possibly as part of January 6th. I forget the exact... Oh, this is Eric. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're thinking about Eric, and they're just like... They're like, okay, state your name, put, yeah. place your hand. My name's Eric! <laughs> and then everything else beyond that, they're like, what did you eat for lunch today? I'm taking the fifth. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking the fifth. Fifth, fifth, Right. Fifth. <laughs> Instead of saying, I plead the fifth, he just holds his hand out with all his fingers and goes, this many. <laughs> uh, said another juror, I tell my wife if every person in America knew every single word of the information we knew, this country would not be divided as it is right now. That's the most interesting quote from this entire piece. Mm. Let me read that again. I tell my wife, if every person in America knew every single word of information we knew, this country would not be divided as it is right now. That is a bold statement. Because what this juror is saying, and this juror may be naive or Uh, not fully connected to what's happening among Republicans these days. But good Lord, if that's the case, what kind of information did they hear that would shake the entire Republican base out of their collective torpor on this, out of this nervous breakdown that they're going through? Probably hearing Trump describe them as they are. Oh, would that you be know, great? Would that? Can you imagine if there were like, tape? Look, these fucking great. idiots, you know, who need to get to the polls and vote for me or whatever. I mean, but you, did you hear any of this stuff, uh, the cousin fucker stuff from the Fox News executives? <laughs> oh, yeah. The we'll former, former producer of Tucker Carlson's show, uh, we talked about this on Tuesday, in fact, called mm. Fox News viewers cousin effing types, <laughs> which is, oh, my God. And and that's I said, what I've been calling him like sheet wearing, gun humping, cousin fucking <laughs> Klansman. I, I think know? I said on Twitter, it's a good thing that guy's an ex producer for the Tucker Carlson show. Otherwise, he would have been fired. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be curating that guy's emails and DMs and so on right now. I don't think any of the cousin fuckers are going to see that information, is the thing. I, no, no, no. I, I disagree with that. In fact, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, especially over the last couple of weeks. And I think the Red Hat Entertainment Complex, people like Steve Bannon are making a big deal of the Fox revelations, talking about how, you know, Fox News is taking advantage of its viewers, uh, can't trust Fox News. And of course, Steve Bannon's saying this because he wants to drive viewers over to Newsmax and all of the other sort of sub-level D-list news channels. And they're not news channels. They're political entertainment is what they are. Much like Fox News, they're real-time historical fiction. (laughs) It's based on reality, but the interpretation of it is entirely fictitious. Yeah, and crystal meth is a dietary uh, (laughs) supplement, you know? (laughs) For fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah. 
So, God, what is this info? I am so intrigued. Now, you know, like, just reading this piece, my excitement over these impending indictments just, like, amplified a thousand percent. The grand jurors said they understand why the public release of their full final report needs to wait until Willis makes indictment decisions. Quote, a lot's going to come out sooner or later, one of the jurors said, and it's going to be massive. It's going to be massive. I didn't repeat that twice. The juror said it twice. It's going to be massive. It's going to be massive. I'll take that juror's word for it. Oh, yeah. I hope they're right because I, at this point, I really don't think that there's any rotting whale carcass that the Fox News shovels can't bury. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons why these five jurors decided to speak out to the Atlanta Journal Constitution is because of that jury four person who right. like ran to the next nearest television camera. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And started kind of making an ass of herself. I forget her name. Is it Emily Kors? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think that might be it. And so they were concerned that the public perception of the special grand jury is that it was just a bunch of clowns. And so that's why they wanted to step up and speak out and kind of defray some of that or to tr- try to dispel mm-hmm. that notion with some hardcore reporting here, some serious, serious reporting. So congratulations to the AJC for having this uh, gigantic scoop. And I hope, I hope to God that this is as juicy as they make it out to be. <laughs> because this is going to be so gigantic. So we've got, what, now four different things. I'm going to tell you about the fourth one here in a second. But we've got four criminal investigations. And one of those criminal investigations actually is two separate things. So the hush money payments to Stormy Daniels. That's one of the things. That's local. That is Alvin Bragg in New York City. We've got the county-level grand jury in Georgia investigating election fraud, fake electors, the coup in general. There are two federal grand juries investigating Trump in D.C., one for the insurrection, another for the Mar-a-Lago documents. And now, adding to that list, the U.S. Attorney's investigation in the Southern District of New York Uh of possible Russian money laundering through Trump's social media company. (laughs) This is... This is four different things, and as I said, one of the things is two things. So that we're, what we're talking about here is more like five things, maybe six things if you separate out. All the things, more things. More, more things. things. So many things. Uh, so many more, <laughs> more things. Um, if you separate the Georgia investigation into two separate things, you've got the election fraud and you've got fake electors. In D.C., you've got insurrection and Mar-a-Lago documents. That's four. Five, you've got the grand jury that's, like, moving lightning fast in New York City. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just impaneled that grand jury for the hush money payments back in January. So this is turning over fast. And we may see indictments from that investigation first. So that's five. Plus the sixth one would be this U.S. attorney's investigation in Southern District of New York. And this stems out of the Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, looking into this possible merger between Trump Media and DWAC. I've been talking about DWAC mm-hmm. since Troth Central was Troth, it Truth first Central. announced. Yeah, yeah. That weird, like, Trojan horse company that you can just buy. Yeah. And you can be number five on the stock exchange. Exactly. Like, That's right. Huh? And, and a huge infusion of cash into Donald Trump's Trump Media. 
So that is the impetus for this particular story. So the SEC is deciding whether to allow that merger to go through, the merger between Trump Media, Troth Central. Truth Central. Central. I, I legitimately cannot say the actual name. I have to I can't do it either anymore. Yeah. I can't. I have to concentrate. What, uh, what are their numbers like right now? Are they doing well? Like, I thought they were going bankrupt. It is the most I mean, popular. How can you go bankrupt it, wandering it, Russian money? Troth Central is the most popular thing since the late, great Jesus Christ. I don't know. I don't, who knows how popular it is? Donald Trump says it's the number one app on all the app stores. That's a gigantic no, lie. No, that's, that's entirely no, that's bullshit. Like bullshit. or something. No yeah, yeah. But regardless, in order to sustain that company, they need this to happen. They need this deal to go through. And the SEC is extremely hesitant to let it go through, especially because this investigation in SDNY, which is at the very least terrible for optics as they go through this process of trying to get this merger approved. So what I'm talking about here is apparently there was an infusion of about $8 million into Trump media that came from two different sources, one in a tranche of $2 million, the other in a tranche of $6 million, from offshore bank accounts that uh, have links to Russians. So the Russian connection, as being examined by prosecutors in Southern District of New York, remember, this is Department of Justice. This is federal. This is not a local thing. Right. This is a federal investigation. It centers on a part owner of Paxim Bank. And that's an individual named Anton Postolnikov. I think that's how you pronounce the name, Postolnikov, um, who appears to be a relation of Putin ally Alexander Smirnov. So vodka? Yeah, Smirnov with a V. Does Smirnov, does Smirnov vodka end with a V or no. an F? No, it's an F. Yeah, shows you how often I drink Smirnov. Um, <laughs> Smirnov is a former Russian government official. He once served as the deputy minister of justice and in the executive office of the president. All in Moscow, of course, among many other jobs. So yeah, it's not very difficult to make a connection between this Smirnov guy and Vladimir Putin. He was working there right. with Putin. Right. And basically right. in the Kremlin. And so this is how Trump media was acquiring this cash. And so there appears to also have been and this is another great dimension to this story. There appears to have been some awareness at Trump media that the first two million dollars was to come through because Trump's eldest son, Don Jr., who joined the board with Trump ally Cash Patel and former Republican-turned-Trump media chief executive Devin Nunes, had confirmed to the company's lawyers to proceed with the transaction. So Don Jr. okayed the loan of $2 million that came from one of these offshore banks. Mm -hmm. And there's, I think the other bank is called ES Family Trust, the wire transfer identified Paxson Bank as the beneficial owner, although the promissory note identified an entity called ES Family Trust as the lender. Two months later, an unexpected second $6 million payment arrived in Trump Media's account from ES Family Trust. The transfer receipts showed. In both instances, uh, the CEO of Trump Media, uh, Patrick Orlando, declined to provide details about the true identity 
of the lenders in the origin of the money to Trump Media executives. Trump Media, since ousted co-founder turned whistleblower Will Wilkerson, recounted in an interview. Though the two payments to Trump Media ostensibly came from two separate entities, first Paxson Bank and a second ES Family Trust, as I said, the trustee of ES Family Trust, a person called Angel Pacheco, (laughs) oh man, appears to have simultaneously been a director of Paxson Bank. So get out your tote board with your Russian names and your weird, shady, sketchy banks overseas and add these names to the list. Because we're going to hear more about this, I think, as time goes on. But uh, this is another one of the situations where Trump is potentially laundering cash through one yeah. of his businesses. Charlie and I talked about how, what was it, the uh, aluminum king in Russia bought that sketchy property in West Palm Beach that was moldy and collapsing for uh-huh. a significantly inflated price, bought it from Trump? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, I think... And I'm expressing an opinion here. I'm, so I'm going to say allegedly. I think that was alleged money laundering going on there. I think it's not a shock to, <laughs> to learn that this is what Donald Trump is up to and how he's exploiting these businesses to do it. So, uh, yes, more great news for Troth. Troth, truth, truth, essential. Essential. On top of the fact that he, <laughs> doesn't, he clearly doesn't know the name of his own app. If his name is on the Articles of Incorporation, yep. he's responsible. Yep. It says here, money laundering prosecutions are typically based on circumstantial evidence and can be based on materials that show that the money in question was unlikely to have legitimate origins, legal experts said. So I guess the burden of proof when it comes to this is not as high as uh, some other uh, malfeasance. <laughs> So that's interesting. Uh, I have a question. Yes. Isn't Devin Nunes the CFO? Yes, he is. And he is, he is the one responsible for anything financial. Yes. And they did mention uh, Devin Nunes in here. Also, by the way, none of the people at Troth Central or Trump Media or whatever it is commented on this story. They refused to of comment. Not. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but that's actually weird though. Don't they rush to like the next nearest microphone to comment on shit that they're being uh, investigated for? Uh, if it's Donald and he's not worried, he'd talk. Like if he isn't the CEO that yeah, he, yeah. he you know somebody his son or somebody else is, he he'll chat away. Mm-hmm. He, it's interesting what he does say and what he doesn't say, especially with regard to certain things. He'll have his minions go out and talk yeah, yeah. if he knows he's in trouble. Um, otherwise, he doesn't say a word. He might troth something, but he won't get in front of a microphone. Prosecutors appear to have also taken a special interest in the payments because the offshore Paxum Bank has a history of providing banking services for the pornography and sex worker industries which makes it a higher risk of engaging in money laundering and other illicit financing. Fascinating. So I'm interested to see the next step of this because nowhere in this article does it outline how the money laundering scheme played out, or there's not even speculation along those lines. So it's just a matter of where does the money come from and how does it leave? How does it get laundered? Obviously they're using Trump media to insert the dirty money into it and then get clean money out the other side. Mm -hmm. So how is that process working? And who is involved in that? Is Devin Nunes involved in that? Good luck, Devin Nunes. Congratulations. You've walked right into your own propeller. Again. And the the Trump propeller. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
It's just like dim 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 twap 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 twap. He always does kind of look like he has been hit in the head with the rake. If you look at pictures <laughs> of him, like his eyes just look like they're not quite focused. <sighs> Oh, my God. Yes, Devin Nunes looks like he's walked into many, many propellers. Yeah. He's <laughs> like the love child of Scott Walker and Mr. Bean. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Only not as smart as Mr. Bean. Right. <laughs> so, uh, such a shame that he would get wrapped up in Aww. all of this, huh? Oh, mm. So sad, I know. So yeah, yeah. So disappointed. Yeah, lots more to come here on today's show. Uh, we're anxiously waiting for a decision from this uh, federal judge in Texas about Mifepristone and yeah. how this is going to impact uh, uh, reproductive rights in this country. They had the hearing yesterday, and he tried to keep it on the down low, but it got reported. So they did have the hearing yesterday, and the public was allowed, correct? Yeah. Plus, uh, Fox News lied again, this time about SVB what? and BLM. No. Yeah, shocking, I know. And uh, there's some fallout from this Dominion uh, series of revelations, the Dominion text messages and emails from Fox News. Uh, it looks like fewer people now trust Fox News. So it Yay. may be actually having an impact. I don't know how much of an impact. We're going to get into it here in just a few minutes. Plus, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene lied. Shocking, she lied. She lied about a bomb found at the border. So we'll talk about that, too, and a whole lot more here on the Big Thursday Show. And by the way, today's show is brought to you by the After Party Podcast on our Patreon page. Every Friday, uh, my girlfriend, Kimberly Johnson, who right now is interviewing Jazzman from Sex and the City. I'm not backing that up. Actor Craig Bierko. Yeah. (laughs) If you remember that character from Sex and the City, hard to forget that character in Sex and the City. But she's now over in the other room talking to him. So interesting. And every time she mentions, oh, yeah, I'm going to be talking to the uh, jazz man, I always go, ba-ba-doo-bow. Kimberly Johnson and I gather here in the studio to record a fourth Bob Seska show every Friday. But this one's completely different from the usual Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shows. Well, not completely different. It's similar in some ways. But the Friday after party is loaded with all the politics you want, while also including uncensored, totally obscene conversations about sex, drugs, rock and roll, movies, television, our personal lives, all the crapola we can't get away with on the free show. So please help support this podcast by subscribing to our Friday after party for just $10 per month. And bonus, you're also going to get two Shadow Docket shows every week, including that level of support. BobSeskaShow.com or just click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo at BobSeska.com. And we thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska! All-time favorites all day long!
Brand new single from King Cyborg. Yeah. Nice. Yay. One of our faves here on the show. Love this song. Yeah. It's called Freeze the Moment. It's available now everywhere you get your King Cyborg music. Seriously. You can actually pause the show and go download this single right away. I'm giving you permission to pause the show and to go listen to something else. Well, you're kind of listening to the song now, but if you want to download it, you can go and download it. If you can't multitask, feel free to pause the show. But come back, please do. Yeah, this is a great single. Uh, I think it just dropped the other day. Uh, again, it's called Freeze the Moment. Look for King Cyborg everywhere you get your digital music. Plus, we've got links in the description under this episode at bobseska.com. Just go to bobseska.com, find this episode. It's right there at the top of the page. It's dated 31623. And you click that link, scroll on down, you'll find links for all of the independent music here on today's show. And you can do that every show. Every time there's a new show, we link to all of the independent recording artists in that description. One of the most gratifying things in the world is to see you all uh, downloading this music and supporting yeah. these musicians who aren't winning Grammys or anything like that. But you know what? They fucking should. <laughs> They should yeah. be winning Grammys. And I expect that uh, King Cyborg will be collecting some uh, Grammy statuettes very, very soon. Oh, what? I have one quick question, you guys. Yes. That I've – it's totally apropos of nothing. Are, are we now in Daylight Standard or is this Daylight Savings? This is Daylight, daylight Savings. There's Daylight Savings time and then there's Standard Time. We just entered into Daylight Savings Time. Standard Time yeah. is during the winter. Okay, so Savings means we stay up to save the light or – Savings is when we didn't have electricity and lighting so that we yeah. could move about freely in the dark. And so basically they would move the clock so that it was later in the day. Right. The sun technically stayed up later, which it really doesn't. It stays up as it stays up. We just move our clocks. That's uh, essentially the reasoning behind it. And I keep expecting at any moment Congress to actually stick with daylight savings time. In fact, what they I did. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. About a year ago, the House passed permanent daylight savings time. And I know it's saving time, but it just rolls off the tongue a little better if you say savings time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. It just does. Uh, but regardless, and I know that it's saving time, sing singular, but I, I would love that. I mean, I know it's a controversial position to take, but I would love it if it was just permanent daylight saving time. You and I have both lived in a state that doesn't change their fucking clocks. So yes. Um, and then my, my cousin lives in Arizona. So it's like, is Arizona on Colorado time now or is Arizona on California time? Because they never change either. <laughs> I lived in uh, Hawaii for five years. And throughout that entire five years, my dad, who's a CPA, who's an accountant and a very smart man, had no idea what time it was in Hawaii <laughs> from moment to moment. Okay. Hawaii and Tokyo are very similar in this regard because yeah. it's like 13 hours later. Like, yeah, I, yeah. it's like an hour ago tomorrow in right. Tokyo right now. Like yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. It, or no, it's actually, wait, let me think about this. It's 13 hours ahead of us. So it's actually tomorrow morning. Just like a scene, right. one of those scenes in MASH where they're trying to figure out what time it is in Ottumwa, Iowa or something like that. Well, when that's where Radar was from. Yeah, I know. I know. They're like, okay, we're in uh, South Korea. W uh, what time is it in Crabapple Cove? I, I don't know. It's, 
is it three hours before yesterday? I don't know. What? That's what it's like. It's weird when you're trying to make the connection because it's 13 hours ahead of us. So really, it's an hour. Yeah. It's like do 12 hours, right? So what is it now here? It's like three in the morning there. Yeah. You know, and all I'm hearing, David, as you're talking about this, is I'm just hearing clicks and pops. I, I, I'm just, I'm already confused. Um, but I, oh, okay. I, yeah. I thought you meant I was like leaning too close no, to the mic. No, 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 no. I'm just, it's a math thing for me. Um, but, you know, with Hawaii, during standard time, the time difference between Washington, D.C. and Hawaii is six hours. During saving time, the difference, five. the time difference is five. Or likewise with, California. Actually, no, 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 no. Right now, because we're three hours ahead of, because we pushed forward, so now we're three hours ahead of Hawaii. It's during. Um, oh, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about. I'm talking about Washington, <laughs> not California. Well, Washington, then, and, and during. Well, listen, because it's three hours between here and I'm Washington so right confused. now, so it's only five hours during uh, winter. Uh, between Washington and Hawaii, because between here and Hawaii in the winter, it's two hours because we've fallen back an hour. Oh, okay, gotcha. When we fall back, we're two hours from California, five hours from D.C. When yeah. we go forward, we're three and six, respectively. But right now in Sydney, Australia, it's And Sunday. in Italy, it's 12 hours between <laughs> Hawaii and... <laughs> <laughs> well, this is like uh, good news for the four people who are listening in Hawaii right now. Right, there you go. Um, but yeah, I used to love it during saving time. Uh, being yeah. in Hawaii because the time difference was much shorter. And for example, coordinating a podcast with Chez when there was only a two hour time difference was super duper convenient. And then I would go back to three hours and it was, was like, okay, well now the show is going to go out in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's just, it was not easy. I mean, that was one of the things that drove me back to the mainland is I just simply couldn't keep doing the podcast where I was six hours. I'd wait. If I started doing the show at six o'clock in the morning in Hawaii, it would already be noon in Washington and a whole series of events will have already taken place. Right. So I was mm. missing all of that. So it's just like, oh my God, I, can't, I just can't deal with that time difference anymore. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's going to stir up all kinds of negative comments. <laughs> <laughs> like, God damn it, I like standard time. No, saving time. No, standard time. It's like less filling, tastes great. Sorry, all I need, I just needed some clarification, folks. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> it's your, you're the one doing all the clock touching, David. That's, it's entirely your fault. We're going to all blame With my you. my tiny <laughs> arms, I'm touching. <laughs> Running around in the middle of the night, adjusting everyone's clock, like Santa Claus. <laughs> you're like the clock Santa Claus. With your tiny T-Rex arms. Um, okay, let's talk about this Texas judge uh, who's actually a federal judge named Kazmarek, appointed by Donald Trump, and it's quite possible that what he's going to do is overturn access to this abortion drug, Mifepristone. And the justification presented by this radical right Christian group, which is called, uh, what is the name of this group? It's like... Americans for fuckery or something like that. It's, it's, uh, I, I can't seem to find it here, but so the FDA uh, apparently reviewed this pill under its so-called accelerated approval program, which was created in the early 1990s to speed access to the first HIV drugs. And since then it has been used to expedite which, drugs for cancer and other serious or life threatening diseases. And right. so thank you, Dr. Fauci for this protocols in the, 90s. yeah, exactly right. And that I, was him. And under that accelerated approval program, Mifepristone was also approved. And this Christian group, this anti-abortion Christian group, or I should say anti-woman Christian group, there you go. is saying that, that this drug illegally was approved by the FDA. 
So that's how they're they're challenging the FDA now. So the Department of Justice has to send lawyers to defend the FDA in court. And this guy, Kazmarek, because he's a Trump appointee, is more likely than someone else to rule on behalf of this Christian group. The thing is, though, is like I know I understand from Dr. Redliner um, that, okay, so the EAU, the emergency authorized use of Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson initial mm-hmm. COVID vaccines – was because we were in an emergency. These drugs are still being tested every day to get full approval. Mm -hmm. So eventually, if there is, they do decide, and obviously with more than several hundred million of us in this country having one or both of the the mRNA vaccines, there's a really good sample that it's, these are safe drugs for the vast majority of us. Yeah, yeah. And so what they're doing is they're testing them now because we've had now um, two years to test everybody and go, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? The vaccinated versus the unvaccinated to find out problems that could be related to it. And then as soon as that's done, then it will be fully approved. I see. They're not pulling these off the market. So basically had Mifepristone, so say it went under the EAU, Mm -hmm. uh, the EUA, excuse me. Great. It's been studied for 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's got full approval by now. I trust me. It doesn't have an yeah, EAU rating on work. it anymore. Oh, yeah. It doesn't yeah. have an EAU rating anymore. It's been fully approved so they can go fuck themselves in the ass because they won't get pregnant that way and they won't need Mifepristone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Thank you, Jody. Uh, by the way, this group is called the Alliance Defending Freedom. Another Orwellian title for a group that uh, is a legal advocacy group that works to curtail rights for LGBTQ people. Yep. Uh, But it's always with, with, oh, God. Plus, they want to outlaw abortion. (sighs) They want to expand Christian practices within public schools and in government. The ADF is headquartered in Scottsdale, Arizona, with branch offices in D.C. and New York, among other locations. The Global Arm Alliance Defending Freedom International which is headquartered in Vienna, Austria, operates in over 100 countries. So, like a disease, it's all over the place. Yeah. Right? And I it's feel not like just the democratic one messaging really needs to adopt a firm like Republicans need to mind their own fucking business. Yeah. Yeah. Platform. You mm. know, it's like if you don't want your kid which you probably don't even have cuz now you're all old 78 78-year-olds watching Fox News, but like I mean, you don't want your kid to read a book. Tell them not to read it. Don't right. let them bring it home. Doesn't right. mean you shouldn't let anybody else's kid read the book. Thank you. Yeah. You know, if you're against abortion, don't have one. You're against same-sex marriage. Don't marry someone of your same sex. It's right. real simple. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think what that would do as a bonus electorally might peel off some libertarians from voting Republican. Because yeah. I think ultimately, Republican, I mean, libertarians just want to hear, well, get out of my way. That's just, that's their whole thing. Let me smoke pot. Let me do what I want. Thank you. And yeah. so maybe the Democrats would do well to uh, embrace something like that. I think that would be a no, great No, libertarians, it's a cult. It's a tribal thing. Oh, yeah, of it's course. Like- I, I know, but I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that, it, you know, taking a more laissez-faire approach to, you know, controlling people's lives and, and not interfering in people's lives. I think would uh, win some libertarian voters, uh, swing voters and so on. So if Cosmeric, Casmeric rules against the FDA, it's unclear how quickly access to Mifepristone could be curtailed or how the process would work. The FDA has its own procedures for revoking drug approvals that involve public hearings and scientific deliberations, which can take months or years. If Mifepristone is sidelined, clinics and doctors that prescribe the combination 
say they would switch to using only misoprostol, the right. other and that, drug. Right, that, that works, but the mifepristone actually lessens the bad side effects of the second drug. Yes. That's why they give them both at the same time. They give you the first one to start the process, and then the second one allows you to expel um, uh, the... the Embryo. Right, right. Well, uh, at, at because the, it's only up to 10 weeks that you can take these drugs, by the way. You can't take them after 10 weeks. Yeah, and leave it to the Republicans to mandate greater suffering. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, absolutely. Especially for women. Well, meantime, in Texas, uh, a man is suing three women under the wrongful death statute, uh-huh, alleging that, that they assisted his ex-wife in terminating her pregnancy. The first such case brought since the state's near total ban on abortion last summer. Is this part of the bounty hunter thing? Is that what this? No, exactly. he's no, he, no, 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 no. He's he's suing them for wrongful death, not bounty. Oh, Jesus. He's Mar- suing a million dollars each is what I want to say, and he can't sue her under the law because of how the law is stated. Okay, but thank it's, you. It's I think he's used the the guy that wrote the bounty law is his lawyer. Yeah. So they're going to use that, but they're using God. it as a wrongful death case because if she was past six weeks pregnant. You can use a medical abortion up to 10 weeks being pregnant, and yeah. at six weeks is when the bounties are legally allowed to be – six weeks in a day is when you can gotcha. start going after somebody. Now, she never told him she was pregnant or when she was pregnant. Uh, when she discovered she got pregnant, now the people in the text messages might date it to a certain point in time, and he can figure that out the last time they had sex. Yeah. But um, in general, I mean, it, she, she could, you could take it – you know, I'm a week pregnant. I'm going to take it. You're no longer pregnant. I'm six. I'm five weeks and you know, four days pregnant. You can take it. So you can take it up to ten weeks. They had. They would have to prove that she took it after six weeks. First off, yeah. Based on the law, the bounty law, because he's suing for wrongful death, which is a civil case. It's not. I see. Wrongful death is civil. It's not criminal. Okay. Gotcha. He's suing them for like a million dollars or something. Yeah. This guy. This guy's name is Marcus Silva. He's represented by Jonathan Mitchell. He's, uh, Jonathan Mitchell is the former Texas Solicitor General and architect of the state's prohibition on abortions. Exactly. Uh, Silva alleges that his now ex-wife learned she was pregnant in July 2022, the month after the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and conspired with two friends. I love the word conspired. Conspired. Oh, my God. So we're conspiring to get, you know, health care. Health care. Mm-hmm conspired with two friends to illegally obtain abortion-inducing medication and terminate the pregnancy. The friends texted with the woman, sending her information about Aid Access, an international group that provides abortion-inducing medication through the mail, the lawsuit alleges. Text messages filed as part of the complaint seem to show they instead found a way to acquire the medication in Houston, where the two women lived. A third woman delivered the medication, the lawsuit alleges, and text messages indicate that the wife self-managed an abortion at home. The lawsuit alleges that assisting a self-managed abortion qualifies as murder under state law, which would allow Silva to sue under the wrongful death statute. The women have not been criminally charged. Texas abortion laws specifically exempt the pregnant person from prosecution. The ex-wife is not named as a defendant. Because he can't name her. He'd love to. Trust me. He would love to if he could. Yeah. Just unbelievable. I was talking with Charlie yesterday about uh, what I describe as the soft secession of these red states. Yeah. They may not actually separate from the United States. I mean, they'd be fucking stupid to do so. And we know all the reasons why. Well, they would go bankrupt. They get yeah, of course they the would. Tremendous amounts of federal aid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about uh, walking into your own propeller. That, that would be the case. But I think what they're doing instead is they're just making it completely untenable for any normal to live in one of those states. 
Right. They're saying if you're a woman or if you're, a, 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 more importantly, a black woman living in Texas or any of the gulag states, Alabama, Oklahoma, blah, blah, blah. If you're someone living in these states who has, you know, normal needs and requirements and you want to vote and you want to be able to organize your own life and your own body, you're out. You're going to, yep. in order to exist, you're going to have to leave that state. I mean, obviously, you don't have to leave, but if you want to enjoy all the freedoms and liberties that the United States promises, if you want to pursue the American dream, you're not going to be able to do it in any of these states. Florida, et cetera. Florida is one of the worst ones now. Yep. And uh, the other thing I think keep thinking about is throughout the first, uh, whatever it is, Abraham Lincoln called it four score and seven years ago, the four, first four score and seven years of the Republic. Southern politicians- That's 87 years. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Southern politicians, Southern landowners controlled the destiny of the United States. Yeah. They controlled the Constitutional Convention. They certainly controlled the authoring of the Declaration of Independence. I mean, who were the two uh, principal architects of those two documents? Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, both Virginians and both slave owners. Yep. So throughout that period of time, it was like, okay, well, we got to do what the South wants. Otherwise, they're going to freak the fuck out. And then Abraham Lincoln comes along and says, uh-uh, no, no, we're not going to do what they want. Sorry, no. I mean, the first president to come along and tell the South no, suddenly they storm off like reality show villains. Like, fuck you, Abe Lincoln. We're seceding now. So what does this come down to? Who is going to step up? I mean, you were asking a question earlier, David. Who's going to step up and say no? Who's going to tell these people no? And that's just it. And what's going to happen when they're finally told no? When red states are told no? Whether it's a prosecution well, of Donald Trump that, like, or any I of these mean, things. I mean, no state is entirely red anymore. I mean, it's right. like... that's the problem. Uh, and, uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but like... Uh, you know, they like talking about that shit because it makes their dicks hard and it makes them feel strong and <laughs> important. But they know that, I mean, hopefully they know, or at least they understand that, like, you start shooting up the government, like, Lowe's is going to close. There will be yeah. no Hooters, <laughs> you know. There will be no more Jeep dealerships or, you know, it's just like. <sighs> at some point, their propaganda is going to have to meet action. And we're starting to see that, yeah. obviously, with some of these draconian laws, whether it's the book banning or the uh, voter intimidation, voter ID, uh, abortion, anti-abortion laws, anti-trans laws, anti-LGBTQ mm. laws, on down the line. It's starting with that. Mm-hmm. And then what happens, though, I guess what happens when things start to collapse in the red states is they say, well, it's Joe Biden's fault or it's Hillary Clinton's yeah. fault or it's Barack Obama's fault or it's Rachel Maddow's fault. The, George Soros. Don't forget George, yeah, George Soros. George Soros, right. They never take accountability for their fuckery. And that's what's so maddening about it. These states are ju would just collapse economically. Look mm -hmm. at what happened with Sam Brownback in Kansas. I think that's a great test case. Mm -hmm. And so I think a similar thing is going to happen in Florida. What happens then? 
Who do they blame? Do they actually blame Joe Biden for the fact that they got everything they wanted and then decided to leave the the United States? So the point nah. where it's no longer united. <clears throat> it's wokeness. Yeah. Wokeness. It's wokeness. This. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of that, Fox News is spreading disinformation again. It's like they're what? not. Yeah. Shocking that they wouldn't learn their lesson from the embarrassment of the Dominion lawsuit and all these text messages. So, yeah, they're saying that uh, one of the reasons why SVB failed was because it donated $70 million, $74 million yeah. to Black Lives Matter. That's what Jesse Waters asserted the other night that SVB no, they didn't. Yeah, that's why no, they, Waters exactly. claimed federal regulators did not pursue more aggressive oversight of SVB's business practices. No. Is this another hot tip from that chick that talks to the wind? <laughs> in a way, in a way, in a way. Wow, yeah. And Maria Bartiromo talking today, speaking of uh, that woman, who I think her name is Marlene... What is it? Uh, Marlene Bourne. Yeah. And she's from Minnesota and she makes cactus art. Okay. Unironically, she refers to herself as Mars, as in I'm from. She's from France. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right. (laughs) Why that? (laughs) Sorry. Coneheads. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was Maria Bartiromo's source via Sidney Powell for all the election 2020 shit and the Dominion uh, tabulation machines, etc. And so Maria Bartiromo, just not missing a beat, was on today talking about uh, with Rand Paul. Oh, why, oh, why couldn't people just take ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? Uh, instead of getting the vaccine. Again? Why? I mean, oh, I mean, just the same COVID disinformation over and over and over again. It's like they're throwing up into their hand and then eating it again. That's, yeah. a, that's what they do at Fox News. They eat their own vomit continuously. I feel like Maria Bartiromo just needs to go back to her co-pilot chair and fly away <laughs> to space. Oh, man. <laughs> that's just a nice, that's one for me and Bob that the rest of you will someday yeah. understand. <laughs> she looks a little like uh, Lando's co-pilot in Return of the A Star. little. A little. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, of course, Jesse Waters is uh, lying about BLM and SVB. The actual amount SVB donated to Black Lives Matter. Do you want to take a guess, David? Zero. Nothing. Zero. Zero. Yes, that's exactly right. Zero. Zero, nothing, absolutely nothing. But that didn't stop similar claims from being made repeatedly on Fox News, conservative websites, social media. Quote, Silicon Valley Bank, brace yourself, spent more than $73 million on donations to BLM and related organizations, Tucker Carlson declared on Tuesday night. On Wednesday morning, Fox and Friends' Ainsley Earhart, oh, she's the current wife on Fox and Friends. Yes. She's the current blonde. Claimed that SVB donated more than $73 million to Black Lives Matter. There were many more examples on Fox News. Let's see what else here. Oh, yeah. In 2021, SVB made a pledge to spend $50 million over five years on an internal initiative called Access to Innovation. The program sought to connect women, black people, and Latinos with startup funding, networking, and leadership development in the venture capitalist ecosystem. Oh, how dare they? How awful. I cannot, how un-American is that? You know, helping people. How could they possibly get involved with such an awful thing as, you know, providing startup funding for people who normally can't get it? 
no wonder these people are so terrible when there's an economic crisis. You know why there's not a run on the banks right now? Because we have a competent administration in office. We've got normal people in office. There's not going to be a recession. There's not going to be a gigantic collapse of the economy. The Dow is doing fine. Stock market's doing fine. There's no gigantic emergency out of this because they know what they're fucking doing. Instead, you know, we normally get like the last couple of gigantic recessions. We got Republicans in office and they're like, as I always compare them to, they're, almost, they're like the three stooges repairing the plumbing. Yep. It's like at some point, like Donald, both well, Donald more Trump, like Bonnie and Clyde fixing the bank door, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a better analogy. Thank it's you. Like stuffing their pockets as hard and fast as they can and then running out of the building as it burns. Yeah, yeah. Well, still, in spite of all of this, well, you know what? I'm gonna, we're going to take a short break and come back to this because uh, there's still way too many people who are stupidly, stupidly, blindly still trusting Fox News after all of this. <sighs> and my only guess is they just haven't gotten the word yet. Maybe that's it. All right, back with more show right after these words. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home? isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Bob Seska plays more music. There's something happening here. But it is and exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware It's time to stop to see what's that sound Everybody look to see what's going down This is Jim Worcester mm. Covering this classic yeah, it's like imagining like uh, Forrest Gump walking through the big fat rain, a little bit of stinging rain, rain that kind of came up from underneath. All right, uh, bobseska.com slash music, submit your work to the show. Okay, uh, this poll uh, is fascinating. This is uh, the fallout from the Dominion revelations and how it's affecting Fox News viewers. This is, uh, let's see, this is, what's the polling outfit? This is Maru Blue for Variety Intelligence. Uh, The survey was fielded March 10th through 12th, 2023. 
1,500 U.S. adults, 18 plus. 338 Fox News viewers, 18 plus. So in the 18 plus category, 16% continue to trust Fox News. These are all people interviewed. It's not just Fox mm-hmm. News viewers. Uh, 12% trust it less. Uh, 42% continue to not trust it at all. <laughs> that's encouraging. That would be us, yeah. Yeah, that's a grand plurality right there. And 30% have no opinion. Well, they don't count. You just kind of write off all those people. The people who don't have any opinion on Fox News, you know what that means? <laughs> that's what that means. I don't read news. At all. Yeah. Um, but then among Fox News viewers... 45% continue to trust Fox News. <laughs> so they at least have that. Uh, Less plus than half, though, which to me, I thought their viewership was just completely 100% biting the hook, yeah. you know, and swallowing and just completely taking the bait, no, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. So I find it somewhat encouraging that half of them, more than half of them know it's bullshit. Yeah. yeah. That well, is encouraging. It's it's that's it's a good sign. That's where we get this number here. Twenty one percent trust it less. Twenty one percent of Fox News viewers trust it less. That's a yeah. big chunk of this pie right it's here. Huge. It's uh, huge. It's huge. It really is huge, and uh, that indicates that the word is getting out. And that's a, a question I've been looking to have answered for a while now. Obviously, as I was saying before, Steve Bannon has been talking about it. It's been discussed. Eleven percent continue to not trust it. So 11% of Fox News viewers don't trust Fox News at all. 23% of Fox News viewers don't have any opinion at all. Those would be the people who haven't heard the right. news. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're watching Fox News. Super yeah. high. Yeah. <laughs> so it says, but only 9% of Fox News viewers say they aren't watching the network as much as they used to. So, but 9%, oh, that's a big chunk. Yeah to like not watch the network as much as they used to. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about a ratings competition, 9% can make a huge difference between yep. first place and fifth place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's all good. So the, it, we just need to keep pushing forward. We can't relent on this. We need to keep emphasizing these revelations from the Dominion lawsuit because ultimately that's the great benefit of this lawsuit is learning this information. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it would be great if there was a ruling against Fox News and they'd have to pay $1.6 billion or whatever well, to I Dominion. I see plus, their yeah. shareholders start suing them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, these are not sound business decisions. I mean, and Rupert Murdoch sat there in the, you know, in the deposition and basically told the truth and was like, yeah, they're lying. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do about it. But, you know, it makes a lot of money. But, like, I just feel like somebody along the chain of command here or in the boards or, the like I said, shareholders are going to be like, no, you guys really fucked this up. Yeah. Uh, and you had a responsibility to not do that Yeah. Your investment. Yeah. Well, the thing with, with Rupert Murdoch's testimony, if you go through some of it, they ask him, well, could you have stopped them? Well, yeah, I could have, mm-hmm. but I didn't, which means you are responsible. If you believe mm-hmm. that you can say no to Sean Hannity and no to Laura Ingram and et cetera, then you are ultimately responsible. And I say they go after him personally, too. Yeah, I think that would be a great idea. Just wait for it. No, I mean, yeah. it, it could be one of those things that we see pop into the news suddenly on a Friday afternoon. 
Uh, I wouldn't well, be surprised. I think if they lose the Dominion suit, that's when the feeding frenzy is really going to start. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, Smartmatic is moving forward. That's happening. Yeah, they are. Yeah, and, and that's they, an, their their case apparently is stronger. And they've it's it's twice as much too uh-huh. in terms of damages that they're seeking. Yep. I was saying to Charlie yesterday, what they really need to do is they need to require either Dominion or Smartmatic or both as part of any settlement, and I think it's going to end up settling, is Fox News needs to be required in the settlement to air a one-hour special in prime time on its own network, on Fox News Channel, where they have to deliver an entire mea culpa, where they have to lay out everything that went down yep. surrounding the disinformation about the 2020 election. Yeah, not just doing what the what Newsmax and the others did once they were sued, and they had yeah. to just read a, a prepared statement. No, you do you do it in prime time on Tucker Carlson's fucking show. Exactly right. On Sean Hannity's fucking show, on Laura Ingraham's fucking show, all of those fucking motherfuckers that promoted this bullshit, they all have to do a one-hour special that Smartmatic and or Dominion writes <laughs> for them. Well, see, now you're up in the ante. You're like totally one-upping me on this. I, I was just, I would be okay with just a one-hour special. But if you want to oh, make no, it- Oh, no, no. All three major shows, anchors, yeah. they all have to do it. And Charlie suggested commercial-free mm-hmm. yesterday. So I'm Absolutely. totally on board Don't with make that. money off of it. I am with you 100%. Yeah. Yes, yes, just get them all. Don't let Rupert Murdoch just sign a check and walk away from this and no. continue with all the fuckery. There needs to be actual comeuppance. And the only real comeuppance in this is to make Fox News do this. Make them admit it to their own viewers that their <laughs> viewers were suckered into believing these lies about the 2020 election. Yeah. I want, as part of the settlement, that every single person who appears has to wear a red clown nose. (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally on board with that. I think that's a fantastic idea. (laughs) So you can say and do whatever you want. Just here's the nose. There you go. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Let's see what else here. Marjorie Taylor Greene lied about a bomb that was found at the border. Turned out that it was just a, a wad of duct tape and dirt, which coincidentally is also the composition of her skull. It's, and it's, she also <laughs> gave up sensitive, top secret, inf- secret information, classified stuff in that stupid questioning. Oh, yeah. She shouldn't have said anything. God. So reckless. So utterly reckless. She's like, when I left a bomb behind the DNC headquarters the night before the riots on January 5th, it looked just like that. I know what a bomb looks like. <laughs> she Oops. thinks that she is the smartest, prettiest girl in school, and she is so fucking not. dumb as a bag of hair and has a face <laughs> like a crusty foot. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, yeah, some good news about the water situation in Florida. I'm trying to end the show with some good news here. I've been wondering, since all of this flooding and everything in Southern California, I'm wondering, is anyone bothering to collect any of this water? This is fresh water. Yeah, with our with we did a bond issue years ago, and because uh, Lavoie was reminding me of this, mm. and they are building new reservoirs, but the problem is apparently after 9-11, uh, federally, you're not supposed to have above-the-ground reservoirs anymore. Oh. So that there are several reservoirs here in Southern California, just in L.A., that are useless right now because yeah. they don't hold the water. I mean, they when it's rained in, they have water, obviously, but because it's a target, because mm-hmm. you can see them very easily. Lake Hollywood is a reservoir, to name one. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, apparently, yes, water is being held in those places. And we are building more. It's just unfortunate. All this wonderful snowpack and wonderful water that we're getting, most of it's going into the ocean. <sighs> what a fucking shame. It, it really is, is a colossal a shame. shame. Yeah. Really I mean, to is. see that footage of the L.A. River just up to the brim in oh, yeah. uh, storm water. And you go, well, yeah, that's all running into the ocean. 
And then fast forward a couple of years when the next, or I don't know, it could be next year, the the next drought starts and the next series of wildfires start to destroy everyone's homes and most of the L.A. basin. And where's all the water to fix this? And then meanwhile, there's a huge crisis with the Colorado River and where what happens with that? It's drying up, et cetera. And so what, what? And so I've been wondering about this out loud. And finally, someone pointed out on Twitter that on March 13, this was three days ago, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom signed in an executive order to make it easier to capture flood water from storms to recharge and store groundwater. The executive order follows uh, Governor Newsom's order in February, which allowed the state water project to conserve 237,000 acre feet of water while providing protections for Delta smelt. That's a species of fish and allowed the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation. (laughs) (laughs) What it was a drag queen. (laughs) (laughs) We have some here, but they're not that they don't usually that name. (laughs) (laughs) And allow this uh, uh, rule allowed the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation to divert over 600,000 acre feet of floodwaters for wildlife refuges. Uh, underground storage and recharge. Leveraging water captured and stored from recent storms, the state is increasing water deliveries, now expecting to deliver at least 1.4 million acre feet of water to local agencies that serve 27 million Californians. So I was so relieved to see that news. Did did I just suddenly hit the fart noise again? I I think you did. Yeah, I meant to to do that. (laughs) God. Well, it's good news for California. Uh, fortunately, yeah, you have a Democratic governor, so you're having people make sensible decisions that are in accordance with the science. He's yeah. also hey. building a bunch of tiny homes, too, for some of the homeless in the state, so that's also good. Oh, excellent. Yeah. This is competent leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when you observe Donald Trump close up and you observe the Republican Party close up, and like, oh, fuck, we're all going to die. <laughs> Yeah, and then you realize, oh, that's right. There's still competent people out there, mm-hmm. and they yeah, do Republicans hold on. Republicans have had to do anything but troll. Is the thing? Like, yeah. I know it. I know it. Well, uh, let's see here. Coming up on the Shadow Docket Show on our Patreon page. It's coming up next. This is what we always do at the end of every Tuesday and Thursday show. We keep on talking after the free show ends. So those of you who are listening, I'm talking on, here. I'm talking. <laughs> sorry. So those of you who are listening on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast player happens to be, the show is about to end for you. But it's not going to end for the people who are subscribed on our Patreon page. It continues on, and for just five dollars a month, you get the rest of the show, the extra twenty minutes or so of show. We call that the Shadow Docket. Plus, if you, you know what? If you sign about fifteen dollars a month. You get that shadow docket. Plus, we take out the commercials from the free show for you, and we put it all in one big file. So you can listen continuously for like an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, without changing, without touching your podcast player. It's a no-touch podcast player policy that we have. $15 a month. For the next people who call in the next 30 minutes, we'll get our Nina Toten bag. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That reminds me. I have to desperately update our merch store. I still have like the old logos and like 2020 flush the turd on November 3rd items. Oh yeah, you need to do that. Yeah, I'm way past. It's me just procrastinating because I get, you know, I'm kind of doing all that shit myself. 
So anyway, I was saying about the ultimate edition of the podcast for $15 a month, you get the Shadow Docket, you get the After Party, you get a commercial-free version of the free show. We call it the Ultimate Edition. You get everything we have to offer. Plus, everyone who subscribes from the $1 level on up on our Patreon page gets to ask some of our guests questions. We're open and up you'll be floor. entered in a giveaway to uh, win a all-expenses-paid vacation to your own kitchen. <laughs> yes, that. And that's a joke. Don't expect me to do it. Don't sue me if we don't do it. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. Bye, folks. Across California, school food professionals are using their skills to develop recipes that incorporate fresher ingredients and more scratch cooking. Learn how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's Office.